Hi, and welcome to the Young Family Small Business Podcast, the show that deep dives into conversations with experts in small business, raising a young family, or are shining examples of mastery in both. My name is Ben Walker, and I'm the founder of Inspire, Life-Changing Accountants, and the host of this podcast. This episode is sponsored by Inspire, Life-Changing Accountants. We've worked with thousands of business owners since we started in 2013, and we're best known for saving our client base a total of $17 million in tax and counting. For every dollar of tax we proactively save a small business, Inspire donates a day worth of access to life-changing food, water, health, or sanitation services to a family in need. If you're interested in speaking with an accountant to see how we could help your business, head to inspire.business forward slash chat. My next podcast guest is Olivier Becherel. Uh, I met Olivier maybe four or five years ago now, and uh, I actually started working with him and his partner, Marcia, quite heavily about 18 months ago after going through some pretty big uh, personal and business shifts. And uh, the journey from that point onwards has been amazing. It's great to get to know uh, both of them. And I've actually got the interview with Marcia coming up soon on, on one of the podcast episodes. Uh, but today is with Olivier and they, they do bring so much value each in their own way to the conversation. So I, I do hope you enjoy uh, listening to both of them. But Olivier's first, just a bit of a, an introduction to Olivier. Uh, he is a personal leadership specialist executive coach and co-founder of the Business Mastery to Success. He helps high achievers, driven professionals and business owners to break through the next level of their life, career and business. People reach out to him when they're feeling a bit stuck and frustrated in their career or business, standing at a crossroads in their life, and they need to make a decision for their path forward. But they're not clear on who they really are and what their next step is. They want to find the right path forward that is most aligned with them they can't figure out what it is. By combining 15 years of research and expertise in neuroscience, human behavior, and business, he helps his clients take a deep dive into who they are, uncover their unique genius and talents, and connect the dots to formulate a clear path forward. Just some key points about uh, Olivier as well. Uh, he ended up quitting 20 years in medical research and academia uh, to go on his entrepreneurial journey. And I do ask him sort of his thought process and and how he came to that decision. Uh, together in his, with his wife, Marcia, he launched their coaching and consulting business, Mastery to Success, in 2009. Uh, they work locally and globally and coach hundreds of clients, one-to-one and in group settings in Australia, New Zealand, and worldwide, including Asia, Europe, North and South Americas, and Africa, a total of 18 countries. Mind-blowing. I think I do ask him in this one uh, how many languages he speaks, which is quite cool. They've published nine books together in the field of personal development, mindset, and human potential which is, again, very impressive. So I hope you enjoy the, the interview with Olivier. He's massively helped me in my own uh, roles as, as a leader, whether that's business, family, father, husband, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, unbelievable. And, and uh, actually, we had a conversation after the recording. Uh, the podcast had finished, and I just wish I, I had that record button still on. And I had some kind of just realizations, uh, further realizations about uh, the topics we were chatting about. So. As I said, a fascinating uh, guy, um, and I really hope you enjoy the um, the podcast. Thanks so much, Olivia, for joining me on the podcast this morning. Um, and yeah, I've been well, I've kind of been working with you for maybe a, probably coming up to two years now, and it's been fascinating to to learn what you do as a client. 
and I'm, I'm excited about sharing that with our listeners today. So thank you very much. Thank you, Ben, for having me. Hmm, awesome. Well, the, the first question I always ask on the podcast is, tell me about your family. Oh, my family is quite small, actually. So if I look at my close family, I have my mom and my brother back in France because I come from France originally. I also have a turtle. <laughs> She's actually older than me, which oh. is still in France. Yeah. So yeah. we had three in France over there. Then I have my wife here in Brisbane with me and my wife's family, which is spread between US, Southern California, Taiwan, and Sydney. So that's the, the, the close family uh, where we are. And we don't have any kids, but we have plenty of clients. Yes, there you go. And they, they sometimes feel like family, don't they? They do. Yeah, no, cool. And, and so what, what do you and Marcia like to do together? Not, a, not from a business sense, because we'll learn that you, you work together, but um, yeah, what, what do you like to do to, um, I guess, to, to grow your relationship together? We like to spend some time together. Um, we're very different. So the first thing for us really is about communication and respecting one another because we have a different way of operating. Mm-hmm. And so although we work together in the business and we work from home, so we're 24-7 together, but we have our own individual space and individual offices, yeah. it's really important to have your own space. Mm-hmm. So communication is really key, having open communication and respecting one space, one's way of doing things or one's natural flow. So usually we're pretty good at that. And, and you know, we have ups and downs, but it's really about the communication, making sure there's communication. And then we like to do fun things together. So usually we go in nature and bushwalking. Yeah. We love bushwalking in the mountain or walking on the beach. And so we do that. And going out with friends, having a nice meal. And we also really enjoy going to the movies. So usually we like to go to the movies when there's no one else in the movies. So we go during the week. Yeah. Awesome. And we have a day off from the business. So we don't work seven days. We have a day off in the week, usually Monday. Mm. And either we do something for us. So we go bushwalking. So for example, next Monday, we're going to go bushwalking. Or we just go to the movies or do some things that we need to do. But it's important to have a little break, especially when you work from home or as a small business together as a partner. Yeah. It's important to have something to, to disconnect mm. a bit. Yeah. And, and what, what genre do you like watching together? We have different styles. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm quite flexible. I'm quite flex- I like science fiction. Yeah. I like science fiction, any kind of science kind of things. Marcia likes science fiction, but she also likes uh, romantic comedies. So sometimes I go today, I like action movies. But for me, it's very easy because as soon as I get out of the movie, I can't remember the movie. It's gone. I just deleted it. So make space for <laughs> something else. So I can rewatch the same movie over and over. It's still brand new for me. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not that difficult about movies. Yeah. 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 Oh, very cool. Awesome. And, um, and every time I catch up with you, I learn something new about your history or your past. And I think it's, it's really exciting. But um, can you walk me through your, your career? And I'm mm-hmm. going to specifically ask you in part one to go up to 2009 before your yeah. business. Um, yeah, walk us through that. Even from like leaving school, what did you do right up to 2009? Yeah, so my career started, like I always feel that I was a researcher. I was always been interested in understanding life, how life function, biological life, I mean. Mm. And so I started at eight years old because my parents bought me a microscope. Mm. So I started to, to study stuff in the backyard under the microscope. And that was really the beginning of my wonder in terms of how biological life function and all these little creatures so I studied biology, 
at high school. And then I went to university and, and studied biochemistry, cell biology and molecular biology. And then I did a PhD in cell biology and molecular genetics, studying the impact of the external environment on cells and mostly on our genomic material and DNA and see what, what are the mutations. And so I did all that in France when I was there. So I studied in Strasbourg, which is right at the border with Germany. So it was a very beautiful country. Uh, very nice if you are interested in, in uh, tasting wine and cheese. There's a road of, road of wine there. Oh, beautiful places. <laughs> and so I did my PhD and I, I graduated in 2001. And then after I did the normal thing that most people do after a PhD, you go and look for postdoctoral studies. Mm. And so unlike most people that goes to US or UK from France, I chose to come to Australia because I wanted an adventure. <laughs> it was not necessarily about the science adventure, it's more, more about the life adventure. Oh, and what did you hear about um, Australia before you moved? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. But since I was very young, in high school, I had a friend and, and we had a dream to travel together to come to Australia and visit Australia. We yeah. never did it. Yeah. I just did it uh, 20 years later and, and came here. But that was really for an, an adventure and not just the science, because for the science, I would have gone, if it was all about the career, I would have gone into the US. Yeah. But I was really about, I wanted to explore something new. And Australia is an English-speaking country, which is very important for science. Yep. But there was all this nature, all these animals, all this wild, wildlife that I could explore. So I chose Australia. And my wife, Marcia's family is down in Sydney. So that was also a good way to reconnect with the family too. Right. Oh, very cool. So you moved to Brisbane in 2002. Yeah. I mean, what, what happened from there? Like, um... So I came to, first I came in 2001, I came to Australia. I visited several uh, cities. I visited Melbourne, Geelong, Sydney, and Brisbane to find out where I could come to, to do my postdoctoral studies. And one day we, we sat in South Bank and look at over the city and say, in the river and say, I think we can live here. Yep. It's much more relaxed and, and everything. So there we go. We decided that. And next year I migrated to uh, Australia as a skilled migration. Mm. So organized all that and started to work at the University of Queensland. So I did one year at the University of Queensland with a French fellowship. Yep. And then after I moved to the Queensland Institute of Medical Research and I worked 13 years there. Yeah, wow. And then I worked to, then I moved to uh, University of Queensland again at uh, UQCCR Center for Clinical Research. Mm -hmm. And so my, my research has been mostly around cancer research and, and in particular neuroscience and neurodegeneration, understanding the mechanisms of disease in neurological disorders. Yeah. So I spent 15, 16 years doing that, almost 20 years doing that. And then I realized that hmm, there's something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a limit to that. And I got frustrated, really. I got frustrated with the system, with the politics. It was too rigid. I couldn't really go to explore my creativity and, and the true meaning of science and researching. How I was that? too boxed. Mm -hmm. that, that sound, like, it sounds like you, you could kind of do it to a degree what you'd like in that research. That, that's my uh, perception of it, is that if you're researching something, there's it's kind of nothing you can't ask or nothing you can't know where you can't go, but you're saying that's not the case. It's not the case because it all depends on funding uh. <laughs> and the allocation of funding is not about what you want to do. Okay. It's about what is the government's priorities. Mm. And so in the field where I worked on rare neurological disorders, there was not much money at the beginning, mm. but there were less and less money and more and more politics. 
And so you spend more and more time doing paperwork and politics rather than actually doing conducting research and doing experiment. Yeah. And so I got to a point where I, that was not worth for me. Like I didn't sign up for doing a whole bunch of paperwork and politics and I signed up for doing some research and discussing ideas and exploring new territories. Mm-hmm. And that was getting less and less. Fortunately, I still had my PhD students. So I, I mentored several PhD students. And then I decided after the last one graduate, it's time for me. I can just leave and go. But I didn't quit like in a day. Mm-hmm. I organized, I orchestrated my transition over several years. Mm-hmm. So I, I was full-time um, senior research officer. And so gradually I started to do less and less. So go to part-time, four days a week, three days a week, two days a week, one day a week, and zero day a week. Yeah. So it's not just, I just cut out completely the, the medical research. I did, but I, I prepared my bridge to be able to do something else. Mm, and yeah. I think that's really important. Whenever you consider a career transition, for example, if you're an employee or work in a company and you're considering launching your business, I think it's important to create a transition. Otherwise, you're just going to stress yourself for it's not really worth it. <laughs> so very uh, important. Uh, but everybody functions differently. I know you have a different <laughs> story. <laughs> Take it back to the start of Inspire. I am... Um, uh, I uh, yeah, I, I thought I thought six months would be a great transition. I was going to work full time for that, but about two weeks into me letting my um, my boss know at the time, uh, I think we both agreed that um, you know I was I was getting a bit too distracted with it. So um, so we we mutually agreed that I finished it pretty a, a lot sooner. So I think from uh, from letting him know to, to being out the door with um, you know, a handful of clients, it was about a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and. But you're right on here. Like when you start to get distracted in a normal job Mm. and you start to feel disengaged and disconnected, you have a choice. Either you try to suck it up and continue just because he pays the bills or you realize that maybe there's a better place for you to be and where you can provide a better service. And that was my choice. Do I stick to the research because I spent so many years studying and most people say, oh, you don't want to throw that out of the bin. Or do I really go for what is really meaningful to me and, and where there's something, okay, there's a lot of unknown into that, but I have skills, I have resourcefulness, I can figure things out on the go. Yep. And so I had to make that choice. For many people, they tried to convince me to stay back. Even my boss say, I can find you another job. And I say, no, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, but no, thank you. Yeah. A lot of people kind of get that, right? Like they, don't, they don't kind of see that. Oh, that's really good that you, you went through with it. Um, mm-hmm. Cool. And, and um, I've got a question I want to ask you here. How many languages do you speak? I can, I can, get, I can get your accent. That's yeah. one of so them. <laughs> I'm a French native, so I speak French, although not, my French is not that great anymore because I don't use it all the time. Uh, I speak English, learning English at primary school, actually. Oh, yeah. And I learn German. Mm-hmm. Um, so I used to speak German for a while, <laughs> but I haven't practiced for many years. And then when I met my wife, Marcia, she, she's an interesting combination of <laughs> Eastern and Western culture. She was born in Taiwan, but she grew up in Brazil and then in the US. And so I decided, oh, I need to learn better understand the culture. So I took lessons in Portuguese and Chinese Mandarin. Mm. And so I can understand Portuguese like fluently. I just don't speak it because I'm a bit lazy. But I can spy on people. If I hear people in Brazilian <laughs> talking, I know exactly what they're talking about. Yeah. Which is the cool thing when you speak multiple languages, people never know whether <laughs> you can understand what they're talking about behind you or around <laughs> you. 
That's it. Have you, have you ever overheard some strange stuff? Yeah, it's just funny. Like sometimes people say stories and I just laugh and they look at me and, well, yeah, I can understand. <laughs> uh, that, could, that could be pretty embarrassing mm-hmm. at times, yeah. I'm sure. But yeah. one thing important about languages mm-hmm. is as you start to learn different languages, something happens in your brain and you, you got much more malleable in terms of open mind and starting to understand different cultures. Mm-hmm. So the, the fact of learning a new language helps a lot when you want to open your mind and be more flexible, more agile in your mind. And, and that's an important tool that, you know, uh, to consider. Mm. And, and I've also heard that um, the, there's a certain amount of languages that you can learn and then you start not knowing what language you think in. Is, is, there, is there a certain language you, you think in or is it all of them? I think in English. Yep. I think in English. So, so for many, many years when I moved here, I was thinking in French. Now yep. I think default in English. And when I talk to my mom, I have to do Google to find oh. the French words. Wow. Okay. I don't, I don't have access to it. So, yeah. So definitely the more time you spend in a country, the more your language frame is going to, to be that, become that default. Yep. Yeah. Uh, fascinating. And, uh, and, and in terms of countries, where, um, where have you lived around the world? So I mostly lived in France and in Australia. We visited probably 14, 15 different countries, but I mostly live in France and in Australia. In France, I was born in Normandy. Mm-hmm. So I spent all until like the first part of uni there. And then I moved to the other side of the country next to the border of Germany in Strasbourg. Mm-hmm. So that's where I spent most of my time. And then I met Marcia in Strasbourg, which come, mm-hmm. we were coming from Brazil. Yep. So I started to explore a bit the, the world and, and then we moved here. So, yeah. Very cool. And, and so you've, you've given us a bit of an insight into what you did when you, you got to Brisbane. Um, but uh, what, what was the defining moment of, you know, you have to start Mastery to Success? And, and then what's the journey been from, from that point onwards? The defining moment is I was going to work and I was not interested. Mm. I was not interested anymore in doing any research. The only reason I was going to work was to, to help my PhD student finish graduation. Yep finish a project, finish a thesis, writing a thesis and, and graduate. And I realized that I was disconnected from the mainstream research. I still kept researching outside of my work about human brain, about neuroscience. But I really, that was the moment when I realized, okay, no, I I'm, I'm just don't want to do it anymore. Like I don't feel the, the drive anymore. That's really the drive. And as soon as I get my student graduated, then I'm out of that. Mm. And so that was the key, like the, the, the level of connection you have with your work, the focus you put in your work, if that goes out of the window, it's a telltale sign that you need to reevaluate your life and, and start to look clearly about, okay, what do you really want in your life? What's your purpose? What's your mission? What's your vision? Is there still alignment or not? If it's not aligned, you have an option, you have an opportunity. Yeah. So that was the, the key and yeah, the frustration really with the system. I don't like to be constrained. I like to explore things. And it was being unbearable. Yeah. And um, I, I know that in my own journey, Inspire has evolved in what we've delivered over the years. But what, what did you kind of um, start doing from, I guess, the first few months or years um, in Mastery to Success? So the, the first time when we started Mastery to Success in 2009, Marcia was part-time in Mastery to Success. I was part-time. So the first thing we did is we wrote a book together. Ooh. A book called Farewell to Anxiety, which is super left field for like a researcher with a lot of cute drawings and everything. And that was the first thing we did. 
We just wanted to express some ideas that I would never have been able to express in the classical mainstream science mm. and just, just do that and get out of there. So that's the first thing we did. We published that book. Mm. And then we started to study a bit more. So of course, we had to go through a lot of trainings to acquire certain skills in order to be able to coach and, and consult people. So we study a lot mm. of human behavior. Mm. We spent many, many hours and years of studying that and many, many dollars in order to, to develop a different part of ourselves to, to go into the personal development journey. And um, that's what we did. Study NLP, one of the modalities, study uh, the Dimartini principle, the universal laws. Marcia studied a whole bunch of uh, alternative medicine, energy medicine. And, but it's really about getting outside of the mainstream and starting to explore possibilities that you know they work. You might not know exactly how to explain how it works, but you can see the effect. And for me, the effect was more important rather than do I understand everything that happens? Not necessary. And did some of the stuff in that sort of that healing stuff that maybe Marcia learned a bit more about, did that kind of not compute with the research you'd done? <laughs> Very much <Yeah>. so. <laughs> I was looking yeah. at, sometimes people were saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, this is not proven. This is not scientifically proven. It, that's, that's the paradox with science that I discovered is, <laughs> the scientific world is very dogmatic and very rigid. Mm. You would think there are a lot of open-minded people, but no, there's a lot of dogma and you have to follow dogma. Mm. And as soon as you go outside of the dogma, you get crucified by everyone. Mm. You don't get paper published. You don't get grants for funding. Yep. And so it's very restrictive. So paradoxically, the, the world of science portrays itself as a very open-minded, but it's not. When you go into that, it's a, it's a boys club. Yeah. There you go. And then I think the key is, is that, um, you know, where, where the funding wants you to go is, um, is an interesting. The funding thing. dictates where you're supposed to go and look for it. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, all righty. And um, uh, yeah, there's, there's kind of two parts of Mastery to Success. There's, there's yourself and, and Marcia. Can, can you walk us through your, what, what you do and, and, um, yeah. I've experienced both. Um, I've just blown away with my experience with, with each of you, but I'd love you to share with the listeners, like what, what do you do? And then we can talk about what the differences are between you. Mm-hmm. So Mastery to Success is a small business, like I would say a micro business, because it's really Marcia and myself delivering the service, the coaching and the consulting. And then we have a VA to help us really with the support in the back end. So it's mm. a very, very small business. And Master and I work together in synergy, but we have very different aspects of what we do and different expertise. So if I look at Master, our expertise is really helping people identify a breakthrough mental and emotional roadblocks, specifically around career, around confidence, and around finances. Mm. So this is what's really Master is as a knack in, in helping people break through that. And she, over the years, she developed her own methodology based on all the things that she learned. She developed her own methodology called neuroemotional integration, which is a mind-body methodology that combines the energy of the, the body, the, the physical aspect, the sensory aspect, and also what happens in our mind, the cognitive aspect, to really help people break through those roadblocks and expand their awareness and perspective. So now they can make new decisions and take new actions that are more aligned with them and more fulfilling and meaningful. So Marcia is all about the emotion breaking through the roadblocks. Me is more about helping people really get to understand themselves, who they are and how they function, 
what is their identity, what is their natural strength, their natural gift, and helping them articulate that in a way that becomes their value proposition, finding what is their natural flow, how they naturally operate, what is the easiest way for them to, to do things. And I combine that clarity around who they are, build their confidence and their self-worth through understanding their unique genius, and then map out their authentic strategies. And what I like to do with people is help them uncover all that so they can either create a career for them that is truly aligned with them or build a business mm. that revolves around them rather than trying to fit into another little box. So that's the main difference. We start from the inside and then we build on the outside for what people want to create, whether it's a career, whether it's a new job, whether it's a business. Really cool. And, um, and, and as I said, I've, I, I even opened up the, um, the statement of inspiration you did for me a couple of months ago. And it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. Again, the, how you can kind of, I think the process you took me through was asking quite a few questions. And then about a week later, you sort of read back to me, me, you kind of held a mirror up and it was just un- unbelievable that process to go through. And um, yeah, but, but <laughs> did, did you want to walk us through the, uh, like, a, like your methodology of, of um, how you help someone to like get that connection with themselves? Yeah. So first, that, that it's great that you mentioned the statement of inspiration. So I didn't create the statement of inspiration process. It's a good friend of us, uh, Emily Gower, oh. that developed the process. Cool. And, and I, I use that process with many clients and find it so authentic mm. that I decided to incorporate that into our process, into our methodology. Mm. But I, was, I didn't really originate that process. But I use the things I find that works the best. It doesn't matter whether I created it or not. I want to find what's worth the best for the client. And so we created our own process or framework over the past 10 years, doing a lot of research in human behavior, human potential, neurology, neuroscience, and also coaching with clients. And we identify uh, a framework that has mainly five steps. Mm -hmm. And it, it worked for anyone coming from any point, anyone that is unclear about what's about their future or feel themselves at a crossroad and they're not quite sure about what's the next step for them or they're completely lost and, and confused, these five steps really help people get a deeper understanding of themselves so they can start to gain the confidence and then put a strategy in place in order to move to their next goal. Mm. And so there, there's five steps. So the first one is called clarify your identity. This is really about your core identities, about understanding your values and your core drivers, because these are the two elements of human behavior that dictate your everyday decision, actions, and behavior and also what pushes your buttons the most. So we need to be able to identify that is very, very powerful because it simplifies decision-making greatly. So that's the first step. The second step is called claim your inner wealth. This is really about diving deeper into your strengths, your talent, your genius, but in a way that becomes more like an embodied version of that. So you start to own it rather than, oh yeah, I'm good at that. No, you want to really own it because that's about developing your self-worth, building your self-worth and confidence. And so it's a, it's a very powerful process when we do self-reflection around what it took you to be able to develop that skill to the point that you have it right now. It didn't show up in one day. It didn't have like a magic thing. You spend a lot of time, energy, and resources to build that up. And when you do that retrospective analysis, you start to realize that, yeah, this is something that is really valuable. I might do it very easily now, but it took me years to develop. And now you start to value that more. So that's part of building your, your value proposition. And I think I, I, I remember a, like one of those 
analogies or something on social media I've read where um, someone, someone's ship broke down and they get the engineer to come along and he walks in and taps on the, on the ship, uh, walks up again, taps, taps a bit further up and then goes and like hits a nail in and he's there for five minutes and walks out and, and, and there's a bill for 20 grand or something, heaps. Exactly. And, and they're like, well, hang on, you're here for five minutes. What's going on? And, you know, he's like, oh, you're not paying for that five minutes. You're paying for the 50 years of my journey to know where to hit that thing, where to tap to know what, what's going on with the boat. And um, your boat's fixed, right? <laughs> exactly. And that's why we have, like, if we look at society, we have a lot of specialists. Mm. A lot of specialists is because they spend all these years in one particular field or one particular industry to build all that knowledge base and that experience. And of course, they can do it much faster than us. They can do it much better and much more accurately. And so that process helps you also recognize that other people have their own strengths. And it's not for you to necessarily learn to do everything yourself. It's about looking at, okay, who's the best person to do the job? You know, recently I broke down the, the screen door, the lock of the screen door got stuck. Yep. I, I tinkered with it for about an hour. And then <laughs> I said, okay, let's just call a locksmith. Yep. The guy came in, put his master key, open it, 10 seconds. Yep. Change the lock, gone, five minutes. Yep. Okay. That's exactly the same story, but that's in the reality. That's what he did. Yeah. Yep. And so, and I say, okay, so I tried to figure it out for an hour and, and find out. And I even watched YouTube to find out. <laughs> the guy said, well, 15 years of experience. Yeah. Yep. Exactly what you said. Yeah. Yep. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Uh, cool. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's step two. I think you, you ran us through then. Yeah. So, yeah. so step two, so step three is where Marcia comes on board. As I say, we work together in synergy and, and we're very lucky because we work very well together mm-hmm. and we love to do work thing together. And so that's where Marcia come on board. The step three is about clearing the roadblocks. Roadblocks could be any kind of emotional baggage that you have from the past could be shame, guilt, or fears, mm-hmm. or it could be mental roadblocks are limiting beliefs or I'm not good enough, or I don't know enough. And so it's all about clearing that because we need to be able to clear that in order to move to the fourth step, which is clarify your vision. If you have emotional baggage, if you have things running on in the background from the past, you won't be able to have a clear vision for the future. And so we need to do a little bit of cleaning up before we look into the future. And uh, the step four, which is uh, create your future vision, that's where the the, the inspiration formula or the statement inspiration come into place. It's about formulating your vision, your mission, and your purpose, but in a way that is really aligned with you. It's not about coming up with like a nice idea. It's about looking at what your life demonstrates because your purpose, since you were born, your purpose has been unfolding at different stages. Mm. And so it's about looking in at your whole life experience and putting all the things together. That's why people call me a dot connector. That's what I do. I help people put things together that they don't see, they can't see, or they even consider. Mm. That's my gift. And I think that comes from my medical research background, trying to figure out things out and, and solving problems and solving puzzles. So that's the step four. Mm-hmm. So now we have a clear vision. We have a clear mission. Now we need to be able to execute on that. And so the step five is about commit to yourself. It's about really understanding what is your natural flow, what is your unique design? And we, we use a, a tool called human design for that to be able to understand how you manage and, and use your own energy. And then once we understand your values, who you are, your core identity, 
we have your vision and your mission. We understand how you function best and use your energy and your resources. Now we can map out a plan and a strategy for you. And we know that strategy is going to work because it's based on who you are. It's not something you try to borrow from someone else and, and try to be someone else. That's one of the biggest mistakes I find is people try to imitate other people and say, oh, it's got a cool strategy. Let me borrow that strategy and see if it works. And it doesn't. Yep. It's not that the strategy doesn't work. The strategy works for the, the person that created that strategy. It doesn't work for you because you're a different person. You need to find what is your own unique strategy. Mm. And that's where I think we stand out and where we help people. We don't have a strategy by default, mm. but we're going to help you build your own strategy based on who you are and how you function. Yeah, um, even just my own personal journey there, I, I feel like I'm slowly getting into like what I feel is just a better and better rhythm in, in life um, and balancing uh, family life and, and, and work as well, even to the point where, you know, recently I've um, just changed my day so that the, the most energetic time of the day is actually spent at the gym. Um, and that actually gives me so much more energy for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a, it was a huge sacrifice to take. And we, we were aiming to go 9.30 to 11 a.m. Like that's like a golden window of usually creativity or, you know, start and start, get, get something big done in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, we've taken that and gone, yep, cool. Most important thing at the moment is gym in that time. Um, and, and that's like just that flow and, and, and understanding that it's taken me a lot to go, well, I don't actually work out well or it doesn't go well or it doesn't happen if I try to do it at 5am and you, know, you see all sorts of other books. And, and, and that's very important for, for you. Like what you mentioned, man, is about finding what works for you. Mm. You know, you can have some guidelines, you can look at some guidelines, but there's no guarantee that a guideline is going to work for you. The only way for you is to try and see and tweak and refine until you find what is the right combination. Like for many, many, many years, I was trying to find a routine for me. And a lot of people say, oh, 5 a.m., 6 a.m., do journaling for half an hour, do meditation. Doesn't work for me. My routine mm-hmm. in the morning, five minutes. I have a one sheet of paper and I write my plan for the day. Yep. And that's it. And I, I do the same thing in the evening to look at what worked, what didn't work, what did I learn, how it served me, and I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. Five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening. I try so many other things, didn't work, never stick to it. Yep. Why? Because it wasn't me. This one is I created it myself and I stick to it because it works Yeah, yeah. for me. And how do you, um, uh, you know, you're right. I, I see, I see so much of that. Like, oh, someone else has the answer. You know, there's something that's coming to my mind is like Tools of Titans, which is a Tim Ferriss book. I go and ask, well, there's people like, what, what works for you? Um, and and like, you know, out of the however many people he's asked, who knows how many of them are going to stick? But how do you help people find out what's going to work for them and, and what is their natural flow? So the first thing is to identify their values. Because okay. yeah. as I said, the values is, if you were to, to look at the values, the simple way to express it is their values is their highest priorities in life. Mm-hmm. And it's the most important and meaningful thing for them. And so that's where they're going to put all their resources. Resources meaning time, attention, focus, and energy. Mm-hmm. So if you try to do something that is not aligned with that, the result you're going to observe is called procrastination. Yeah, Because it's not going to happen. Because it's not important, it's not meaningful, therefore you don't put your focus, attention, and energy into it. So the first thing we need to do to be able to help people build new habit or change something is about really get them to understand their values and their core drivers. These are the foundation. That's the first step in, in our process. We need to start there because we need to know what you do naturally by default. That's what it is. Your value, you do it naturally by default. 
you don't think about it. It's there already. Your life demonstrates that. So we need to be really clear on that because we're going to use that to build everything around. Mm. So that's, that's really important. And I think one of the important things when we think of small business entrepreneur, like I see business as a, as a, as a house. And self-awareness is the foundation. Yep. And the business is the house. So no matter how nice your business looks on the outside, if you don't have a strong foundation, a strong self-awareness, your business is a bit shaky. Mm. Because the self-awareness is required for you to understand what is going to be the best business model for you. Not every business model is going to work for you. You need to find the one that matches your natural flow, your identity, the way you do things. And that's why self-awareness is the key. But very often I see business owners putting a lot of investment, like time, energy, money, into the, the, the thing, the machine of the business. Mm. But ultimately, your mindset is what drives your business. Yep. No matter how good looking the car is, if you don't put petrol in it, the car goes nowhere. Yep. And so that's the analogy. The mindset, the self-awareness is the fuel for your business. And so you, you, you need to invest in that first to really understand yourself so you can find what is the right business model for me mm. instead of trying something, oh, it doesn't work, so therefore I'm not good enough. No, it has nothing to do with not good enough. Yeah, incredible. And, and you've mentioned values a, a couple of times and that, that, that seems to be where kind of every conversation starts. As, as business owners, especially people with um, young families, how do you help people when they've got conflicting values and getting that balance between business and family time? Um, yeah. Like something that, that actually works for them. And so what we can do is we can link values together yep. instead of having a conflict between values. So our values are, are organized in the hierarchy. We have the most important value, which is the number one value. And then we have a series of values. And sometimes what we can observe is this conflict between values. Now, remember, the values is where we put all our attention, focus, energy, and money. And so if you have a conflict, it creates internal tension. But what we can do is we can link the values together so they become more like integrated and support each other rather than having a perception that they are conflicting between each other. Yep. So when people have internal conflict, let's say, between work and business and family, it's just a conflict in the perception. Okay. And we need to be able to change the perception to show them that actually one support the other and vice versa. It's never a real conflict in reality. It's really a conflict in the perception. Mm. And so we work on aligning values and changing perception to, to be able to build them and integrate them together. So they see that when they do a lot of work, it's supporting their family. And when they spend with their family, they gather the energy and, and the enthusiasm to bring back into the business. But instead of conflicting, they're complementary. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Awesome. And um, when you've been working with clients for uh, like a number of months or years, do you, do you ever see their values change? The values rarely change. Like the top values rarely change. Sometimes yeah. the expression of some of the values might change. Usually there's a change in value when there's, um, let's say, uh, a cataclysmic event. Cataclysmic doesn't necessarily mean like a, a trauma or something bad, but for example, someone relocate to a different country, yep. they're going to have that to a different culture. They might change their values. Mm -hmm. So a cataclysmic event is when something drastically changed in your day-to-day -day life and your value tend to reorganize themselves. 
usually we know that there's a problem people experience an identity crisis. So it's not that uh, some, something changes and they don't understand. I used to do that, but I don't do that anymore. And I'm not sure who I am anymore. So that's an indication of a change of value, a repositioning of the values. But the top one, two, three values really change. The expression of them might change. For example, if you look at me, research and study is, has always been my number one value. When I was in medical research, I was doing in the mainstream field. Now, I still do my research and study every day. It's just different topics, different ways of doing it. So my number one value hasn't changed. Is the way I express it has changed. The form of expression has changed. And so that's what we see with people. The number one, two, three value rarely change is the form of expression that might change. Oh, very cool. And, and if we sort of share the ways you, you help business owners or, or even teams, can we, can we sort of dive into the, the structure of that? Mm-hmm. And maybe even using us as an example. Um, so, so you help people one-to-one, yeah? Yeah, I help people doing one-on-one coaching and I help people also in group with teams or doing workshops. I like the one-on-one because we can really go deep and especially when we have to overcome certain roadblocks, it becomes really private and personal. So the one-on-one allows you to create that safe space to do that exploration. The group dynamics is really great because it it creates a lot more different perspective because you have different people on board. So the dynamics between the one-on-one and the group is very different. You go more in depth into the one-on-one, but you have a broader perspective when you do group work and you can organize the synergy between different team members. So one of the themes we're really focused on is personal leadership. Personal leadership is really being in charge of who you are and taking responsibility for yourself and your action. It's about developing self-governance. And so we do that in one-on-one and we do that with teams. Yeah. So that's the two way we do. So we do it in person or we do online and we do workshops. Yeah. Yeah. And and you you work with, um, is it just Australia that you work with? No, we we work with over hundreds of clients and we actually coach clients in 18 different countries. Wow. So we spread out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have people in the US, we have people in South America, we have people in Europe, Asia, Middle East, uh, Australia. And yeah, so we, we've been coaching about everywhere. Yeah. That's incredible. And so um, you must, yeah, you must have seen like huge differences in cultures and, and perspectives. That's um... yeah. Culture has an interesting aspect onto how sometimes it limits people in terms of their thinking and, and what they can explore. So sometimes we have to, help them break through some cultural barriers so they give themselves permission to to go beyond that. Mm. Um, yeah, very interesting, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it. Um, and, um, and, and how about your, you, you mentioned um, just offline, your uh, Clear Path Forward signature program. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so the Clear Path Forward program is the framework we've been developing about over the past uh, 10 years, which has the five different steps. Clarify your identity, claim your inner wealth, clear the roadblocks, create your future vision and commit to yourself. So that's a a one-on-one program that we created where we do one-on-one coaching and we take people and that feels lost or confused or stuck in their career or their business. And then we take them through that process to help them build a better self-awareness, really understand how they function so they can now put the strategy in place to go to the next level and and reach the next goal. So we do that one-on-one and we also have a version which is 
a DIY so people can do it at their own pace. So I created a new version for, for that. But that's really our signature program. That's where we combine all our knowledge and expertise to really fast track people's career or business based on who they are through the self-awareness and discovery process. Great. And if people want to know more about that, can they, um, how do they find out more? Can they book in for a phone call or like an yeah, issue? Yeah. They can just go to our website. Our website is mastery to success, all in one word.com.au. And then they can just have a look and everything is explained there. The, the clear path forward, our philosophy, how we work. There's plenty of testimonials. And if they like what they see, it's simple. They can just book a, a chat, a, a complimentary chat with us and, and we'll see where they are, what's their situation and do a little bit of brainstorms to see what would be the, the ideal strategy for them if they want to, to take their, their career or their life to the next level. Yeah, yeah fantastic. And, and like this, this podcast, the whole purpose of it isn't necessarily to plug people, but I've, I've had personal experience uh, with both um, Olivia and Marcia um, over the last, um, I guess, yeah, 18 months to two years in particular. And, um, and it's been transformative for me and, and my own mindset. So much has happened. You know, there's been massive, massive lows and, and massive highs, um, and it's been great to sort of have that regular debrief and and just yeah share that perspective and um, perspective is just yeah a huge perspective part. is the key. You know, to me it is like if you can create more perspective, you always find a solution to a problem. Mm. Like it's not like the 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 problems we encounter are not thinking problem; they're perception problem. Mm. And once you start to change your perception through a new perspective, you can find new solutions or bring people on board with you to help you go to the next level. Mm-hmm. So it's all about how we see things. We've had some funny moments over the years. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I kind of want to say if, if you're listening and, and anything sort of stuck out to you, I, I do really recommend you do have a, a, that, that initial phone call with um, Olivier to discuss. Um, you know, I, I kind of reached out at a, you know, a bit of a crisis point uh, for, for me personally and, and with the business and, and they were able to help um, not only share stuff with me one-on-one, but uh, we also got them to sort of help um, with, with the, uh, helping the team uh, in a, both a sort of workshop uh, method, but also one-to-one with, with um, the team members who wanted to get that extra assistance and, you know, through, through a pretty big cultural change at Inspire. And yeah, again, the, the feedback's been fantastic and um, yeah, it's, it's definitely helped us all out through, um, through a tough time, but not, you don't necessarily need to wait until. Uh... No, I would say <laughs> don't wait until you're in crisis mode. You know, yeah. um, if you start to see signs, it's better to start to, to, to do some work around it rather than wait until it's crisis and then emergency. And then you, you, you have to kind of do it straight away. You know, the most important thing I would say is that constantly, consistently take care of yourself mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, because the more you do that on a regular basis, the more you're going to become more aware of certain signs that might tell you, okay, now I need to do a bit of work on that, or I need to do a bit of work on that, rather than getting to the point where you have a massive crisis and you say, oh shit, what do I need to do now? Yeah. You, you don't have to get to that extreme you know, the more you become self-aware, the more you're going to be able to course correct before drastic event happens. Yeah. 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 Powerful stuff. Yeah. All righty. Well, um, hey, I really enjoyed talking with you on, on the podcast. I hope um, our listeners get massive value out of that. And, and just thank you so much for, um, for your time. 
Well, thank you so much, Ben, for having me, for sharing a little bit about my story and, and what I love doing every day. Wonderful. All righty. Uh, we'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon, man. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with today's guest, you can find their contact information in the show notes in the podcast section of our website at inspire.business. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the Young Family Small Business Podcast, be sure to subscribe, leave a rating and a review. Also, do join our Facebook community. You can find that by going to youngfamilysmallbusiness.com. And if you're interested in speaking with an Inspire accountant, head to inspire.business forward slash chat, where you can book a free 20-minute strategy call. And lastly, to catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on my Instagram, uh, which is the at symbol Ben Walker, C-A, or one word, or at Inspire underscore accountant. Thanks again, and see you next time.